I'm getting too old for this shit. Lethal Weapon is coming up next. That's the line. That's the line from the movie. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that person is myself. I I just never had seen Lethal Weapon, even though this is like a movie right up my alley, man. <laughs> like right up my this, alley. This feels like a total, total Timmy movie. I mean, this is like the most 80s movie of all time, probably. It's up there at least. <laughs> oh, it's a very 80s movie. Um, but really strong script um we'll dive more into it obviously you are listening to a podcast that is about the movie lethal weapon and we're going to discuss it in further detail but tommy how was your thanksgiving everything good everything good with the fam uh great 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 with the fam amazing time all that stuff you know tricky was fine all that um and saw knives out over the weekend which was fun so We'll discuss that later point when you know netflix release gets it out but mm-hmm. i liked it <laughs> I, I also saw knives out bless onion I also liked it. We'll discuss it at a later point. That was a point of contention Tommy and I had was like, oh, should we do that? Or not real contention, but uh, you know what? Contention. People love podcast drama. Yeah, we'll get the drama. People love podcast drama. No. (laughs) Yeah, it was a, we were uh, this. oh, do we want to talk about it now? Because we both just saw it recently. Like, because they did what, a one week theatrical release, which is craziness. Um, And like, I, I went to a Tuesday showing. And it like it was sold out. Like I had to sit front row because I got the tickets like day of basically. And yes, it, it was it was nuts how how many people were going. I'm like, there's there, maybe that's a way to generate demand to get people in the theaters though. Yeah, I think that's what it is. A lot of people that like wanted to go like knew that it was going to be only this week because it was the same thing with my screening. It was like nearly sold out. It was probably like the most packed screen I've been to since uh, No Way Home came out last year. So. It was just like up there with that like a little fan generation where but it's like I don't know, I feel like Netflix is like putting money on the table where like they probably could make like a fuck ton at the box office of this movie if they wanted to. But again, we'll discuss this movie at a later point. But well, we can like actually to- discuss the business politics of it because that's a slightly interesting to me. But yeah, um, like in terms of the box office, but like I went and saw the Fablemans, and granted that was in like New York City where that movie's just obviously going to have attract an audience in theaters. Like, yeah, like I could see maybe in other parts of the country that getting 15 people to go into the theater to go see it. Mm-hmm. But like that was also another really crowded screening that I saw um, too, which recently, which is good. Like I'm, I'm glad to see that like there are movies that are generating interest and in people going back that aren't the big, that is, isn't no way home because that was designed. To, it felt like that movie was almost written to get people back into movie theaters. Yeah, it was just like, you don't want to look up the spoilers before this one comes out and everything. So, um, I mean, not, I, I, generally, like, I've been to the movies a lot this year, and there's been some times where, like, I've been, like, one of, like, the only people in the theater, like, when I saw the Bob's Burgers movie. Like, no one else was there, and that was, like, a week into its uh, schedule. <laughs> so, Yeah, wait, didn't you say you saw a movie this week, too, in the theater, and there was no, what movie was that? Oh, I saw the menu over the weekend. and uh, How um, was that? It looks good. I like I liked it a lot. It was really fun satire. And uh, I, when I was going into the theater, I thought I was going to be the only person there. And of course, right when the movie started, two, like a couple came in 
And they sat maybe like three or four seats down from me. I was like, come on, are you fucking kidding me? Just like sit in a different row. <laughs> but when still, I, it, yeah. Oh, no. I was saying when I went and saw Moon Age Day Daydream, which was the David Bowie documentary, which I, I knew when I did that one, I was like, yeah, no, there, there's going to be like nobody going to this. And I click the thing. Theater's wide open. Yep. Me and Ryan the Oso went. Great documentary. It should be coming out on H. It was an HBO documentary, so it'll definitely be on HBO Max at some point. But yeah, I went and saw Moon Age Daydream. We had the theater to ourselves until the last 10 minutes when like three random kids just like walked into the theater and sat in like the second to front row. And I was like, that's odd. That's an odd, that's an odd, that's an odd uh, moment right yeah. there. Well, it gets to a point sometimes where like it's so annoying because like, you know, having a movie theater to yourself, I think is like one of the best things. Um, I remember last year, uh, Will, who's a friend of the pod, uh, we saw Jaws on the big screen. It was like Friday. Uh, it was like Fourth uh, of July weekend, and uh, for for a reason, three p.m. No one else was at the theater except for me and Will. I remember at one point I got tired during the screening, so I just started no, doing you? laps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it, it was it was like post work. Like, I was like kind of in that little haze. I mean, Jaws is obviously an amazing movie, but like I just remember doing laps around the theater because like no one else was there, so I started just doing, jogging around the theater. <laughs> It's shit like that. Like you can't really do obviously when someone else is there because someone else is there would be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Right now? It's actually nice when you have a private theater because you can like I'm not condoning talking in a crowded theater with people, but like like we were able to kind of just like pass points back and forth to each other because yeah. we were the only people in the theater. So like it didn't matter. It was our own private screening, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great feeling. <laughs> but a movie I have not seen in theaters that I would like to see in theaters is Lethal Weapon. Hi, I'm Danny Glover. And I'm Mel Gibson. Well, that's not important right now, but I want you to go and see my new hit movie, Lethal Weapon. And I love this job and everybody likes it. It's my hit movie. Oh, he's in it. Raj, meet your new partner. He has danger, excitement. Yeah, bad guys. Uh, And good guys, you're good guys. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon. Let it on. Now playing at a theater near you. Insert Kanye West joke here. <laughs> yeah. This is Lethal Weapon starring Danny Glover as Sergeant Roger Murtaugh. And Tommy, he's getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Tommy, if, if we were if we uh were better at like technology and stuff and like had the video stuff i would have to add like a counter for every time we end up saying that line in this podcast because like yeah it's easily the most famous part of this movie right like that that has to be the one thing that has lasted since and it's nearly what for so what is this 35th anniversary of yeah 35th anniversary this came out in march of 87 uh so Almost 36 at this point, but yeah, so too old for the shit is probably the best part of this. So, by the way, I want to mention the TV trailer. I don't think I've ever heard Mel Gibson speak in his like natural Australian accent. That was that was bizarre right there. <laughs> yeah, when I clicked that one, because you know, obviously, I spend all the time in the world finding these TV spots. I definitely don't <laughs> click the first link that says 30 seconds and just hit download without listening. Uh, <laughs> definitely don't do that. And <laughs> and yeah, I I like uh, I was like oh what the heck, what the heck like it just doesn't it sounds because like everything he does and like when you're familiar with him him acting as an american like he rarely uses the accent oh yeah exactly i mean this probably was like one of his like first like big movies i mean after the mad max movies obviously and everything i am looking right now 
he was starting to get like pretty big. Like, you know, he had the three Mad Max movies already come out. And then this is his first like franchise after Mad Max. So Lethal Weapon was right there. He was uh, apparently almost up for the role of Die Hard. Apparently uh, Bruce Willis was up for the role of Riggs. And he was up for the role of John McClane in Die Hard. And I kind of think it worked out the best way possible. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't like Riggs needs that like crazy intensity, which Mel Gibson throughout the course of his career, mostly in his personal life, we've kind of come to the conclusion that, that like he's not really acting in that sense. Yeah. Um, and Bruce and like John McClane needs that charm and like that light, that lightness to him mm. kind of wit to the character that I think Bruce Willis pulls off flawlessly in Die Hard one. Mm. So yeah, I would say it, it worked out for the best. Yeah, I, I think that those two movies are actually kind of like an interesting pairing because, first of all, Joel Silver produced both movies, he, uh, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And uh, Lethal Weapon doesn't get brought up as much in the conversation of, is this an actual Christmas movie? Which, I think this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> this is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Like it, yeah, that's what, for sure. <laughs> what what does it open up with? It opens up with like... A... Jingle Bells Rock or whatever? Yeah, Jingle Bell Rock. That's what it was. Yeah. like yeah. It, And they say Merry Christmas. Like the movie ends with uh Riggs walking into Murtaugh's house for Christmas dinner bringing the yeah. dog in getting the whole family together like when he said like I got somebody I gotta bring it in I thought it was just gonna be like prostitute I thought that would have been hilarious <laughs> amazing uh well it's just like you know there's like so many of the classic Christmas scenes in Lethal Weapon almost where it's just like the one scene where it's Riggs getting dinner with Mar- uh, Martin's family uh Murdoch's family or just almost the Christmas movie cliche of like this is what you're missing out on family right here so um I mean this movie does a really good job of contrasting. Where Die Hard, I feel like, is more of a backdrop of Christmas. I still consider that a Christmas movie, though. But which one would you would you say you prefer? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I think they're both excellent. Um, I think Die Hard has the better villain. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it work. Um, and then this has like much more of a true buddy cop nature to it that mm. than Die Hard. Die Hard is just Bruce Willis in the tower. Um, with the oh, I'm blanking on the actor's name who plays the 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 cop who couldn't shoot. Oh, uh, Winslow. Yeah. Winslow, yeah. Uh, you know from the radio com, but he's like everybody except for Bruce Willis and and Alan Rickman are kind of ancillary characters in Die Hard, and like this movie is defined by the relationship between Riggs and Murtaugh. Like that is essential to the movie and. Riggs is suicidal. That's like the nice twist to this twist to this movie, or like the thing that grounds it in reality to what what gives Riggs like this edge, this crazy edge. He was, you know, a, a special ops Vietnam vet, you know, crazy gun. I love the scene where they're at the shooting range and Marta's like, look, I still got any, like fires one and it's like, you know, far away or whatever. Yeah. Gibson then pulls, pushes the the this sheet pushes it all the way back and fires off like a smiley face. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Like I knew it was coming and it was still awesome. It is like a buddy cop, but it's also almost like plays out like almost like a romantic comedy where it's just, you see these two characters and like this two different uh, contrasting stuff. I think that's why I prefer lethal weapon just because like the characters I feel like are a little bit stronger in terms of like the two heroes were more interplay, more character driven. Like the beginning of the movie has the contrast of Murtaugh, um, you know, with his family having a great time and all this stuff. And then uh, we cut to uh, Mel Gibson Riggs in uh, uh, his house by himself, like about to put a bullet in his trailer. Yeah, that's like the most powerful part of the scene of the movie yeah. is that it, it takes it takes five minutes to show like 
this man is really suicidal and like him staring at his uh ex-wife's grave um i would say the most unrealistic part of this movie is that he goes to visit her grave at the end of the movie and it's raining and it's like they're in they're in los angeles it doesn't rain it doesn't (laughs) rain there what what are you doing what's going on here so speaking of Mel Gibson's intensity uh, in that scene where he's like put, about to put the bullet in his fucking brain, uh, apparently Mel Gibson had an actual blank in the chamber to to make like you know actor fucking bullshit of like authenticity. But like he could have easily like killed himself right there because even though it's a blank, like just having a blank like fire off in your mouth, yeah, air pressure alone. <laughs> yeah, blank firing off in your mouth, the, the pressure like it's still shrapnel going yeah. through your throat. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to act again. We'll put it like that. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine, like, uh, you know, fucking Richard Donner was like, come on, Mel, do you really have to do this? He's like, no, it makes sense for the goddamn character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Mel Gibson should have given Alec Baldwin some advice on, you know, <laughs> handling <laughs> guns on, on set. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Tommy, you, it was, you set me up for it. Yeah, you, yeah, it was right there. It was right there. <laughs> it was right there, yeah. So one of the first interactions that uh, Murtaugh and um and rigs have is they uh have to save a man dripping off a building and gibson goes up there and like handcuffs himself to the guy who's claiming to jump and jump and like jumps off the building with him into like the parachute and this is the first time that you see the dynamic because they clash at first they really clash murtaugh and Riggs because you know murtaugh he's tommy what is he doing what is he's he too old for this shit? He's too old for this shit, man. He just turned <laughs> fifty, and he does yeah. he doesn't want to die, and that's what he's worried about. That's that's what he's worried about. And then this is them. This is like the main conflict between the characters that's going to continue throughout the movie. You want to kill yourself? Oh, for Christ! Shut up! Yes or no? You want to die? Yes or no? I got the job done. What the hell do you want? You didn't answer the question. Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. And you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Doing the job. Now, that's the reason. You want to die. I don't. I'm not afraid of it. I ain't afraid of it. Yeah, take my gun. Don't nibble on the barrel. Pull the trigger. Go ahead, pal. Be my guest. Go ahead if you're serious. You shouldn't tempt me, man. Put it in your mouth. Bullet might go through your, your ear and not kill you. Yeah, under the chin. Yeah, 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 under the chin. He's really crazy. Do you think Donald Glover knew how insane Mel Gibson Dan- was as a human? Danny Glover, you mean? Or Danny Glover. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was yeah. going to happen, man. <laughs> it was right there, right there. Yeah, no, uh, not Charles Gambino's not in this movie. Um, so, I mean, I think that this shows like the chemistry off them of right there. Of, like, you know, that's like almost like the meet cute fight of like, you know, if you look at this almost as a romantic comedy of them going together. Of them just at the initial, just like, oh, I fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, oh, I hate you, I hate you. 
Um, and I just love how like this movie in the beginning kind of almost feels like a series of vignettes of them going on case to case. You can see why this is a TV show like 30 years later, just because like, you know, you can really just have to be like case of the week of like Murdoch and Riggs go attack this thing now. I know that's a TV show that was on like it was on for like four seasons or something like it came out like relatively recently. Yeah. And maybe it's just like the TV market. I have not heard one. I've never met a person that's been like, yeah, I watched the Lethal Weapon TV show. I've never met a single person. It's I mean, yeah, it's targeted yeah. to 60 year olds that still watch cable. I get it. But, exactly. <laughs> but still. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think anyone our generation is just like, oh, I can't wait to sit down and watch the Lethal Weapon TV show. It seems like just boomer, just fucking just like nostalgia right there. That's what they're going for. Um, but you can see how it can work as a TV show, even though I'm sure the TV show is eh. I mean, was it like Sean William Scott was in it? And then uh, the actor who played Mel Gibson actually got canceled himself. So, I mean, like, I guess. Who, who is that? I have to look this up. But yeah, the actor who played uh, Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's part, Riggs, I ended up like getting uh, kicked off the show for being like a fucking piece of shit. So, I mean, I guess they did good casting right there. <laughs> they were they were looking for a psycho and they found one, apparently. <laughs> yeah, was it Ezra it. Miller? No, no, it wasn't Ezra Miller. It was uh, Clayne Crawford. I have never heard of him before. Never heard of the guy. And then the person who plays Rig, uh, Murtaugh is Damon Wayne. So then they end up replacing Riggs with uh, Sean William Scott. Yeah, he uh, had uh, reports of bad behavior and instances of hospita- uh, hostility between cast and crew on the show set. And he was uh, fired from the show because of that. <laughs> Interesting. So, I mean, like I said, good casting for Mel Gibson. I mean, you found another piece of shit. Good good, good job right there, Fox. Um but anyways, yeah, I mean, like, there's just, like, great, like, I could almost see, like, you know, this movie had some deleted scenes. Um, what's his name? Uh, the director. Uh, Richard Donner. Richard Donner, when he took over, I mean, Shane Black's original script was a little bit darker, where, like, it showed, like, Vietnam flashbacks of, like, Murtaugh and Riggs in Vietnam and, like, the fucked up shit they did. And there was this one scene that they filmed uh, that they ended up cutting, which uh, was Riggs taking on a sniper that was shooting at kids on a playground. And um donner just saw like this is too dark we need to cut a little bit i mean this movie tries a, f- a fine line of like there's some fucked up shit that goes on but still like a fun light uh, buddy comedy at its heart so yeah. I, I think i think it straddles that line pretty well and you know the cut was good i mean you can see the darkness like i mean in the first scene when um the girl jumps off the uh off the building like contrasting that with jingle bell rocks yeah you know it's not what you're expecting to open your movie with but it and it gives it like a noir feel, feel like that. That opening is so noir, and then mm-hmm. like the rest of the movie is not noir, even in the slightest. Yeah, exactly. That's the only really part, other than like, so, like uh, a little what... tone contrasting, I guess. But like, I got yeah. it from like the dark, cynical side of it because this movie does blend the the dark and the light really well, and that comes after um, Murtaugh and Riggs like become become actual friends after. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Riggs is just like, yeah, your wife's cooking is trash, dude. <laughs> He's like, oh, I know. I mean, there's some scenes that like feel a little bit noirous when uh, Dan Glover Murtaugh is uh, looking at like the porn tape of uh, the girl who died in the beginning. Which I almost wish there was a part of that scene where his wife walks down and is like, "Are you watching porn right now?" Yeah, I <laughs> thought that. I thought that was coming. Like, I, I thought that was. I thought that was coming. You're like, oh, honey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching some. It's evidence. I swear. Oh God, this here's is, the, this here's is, the type. <laughs> Yeah, like here's the tape. I swear to God, this is just something they wanted me to do. It's like, stop watching porn. You're getting too old for this shit, Murtaugh. That's like the S- that's the SNL <laughs> skit that came out at the time when when uh, when uh, Danny Glover hosted or something like that. It's yeah. just uh, 
<laughs> the, like if I was the SNL writer, that's the scene I would have I would have done. And then have all of everybody cases. else say I'm getting too old for this shit to him. <laughs> like he can't all, say it. Yeah. All, all of his cases end up just big, having like some like porn background. It's just like Murtaugh again. You're doing this. You're, you're getting too old for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, 50, I guess you could argue is you're getting too old for for pornography, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Not 50. Well, Dave- so I don't know. Yeah, Dan Glover was uh, 40, though, at the time. So, I mean, the, but he still looks very old. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> no, I, well, he was 40, but I'm saying in the movie, he's 50. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they almost went with Brian Dennehy, and Brian Dennehy, I guess, would have been more age-appropriate at the time. But I feel like Briggs, uh, Murdoch, rather, just Dan Glover, brings that like, little gravitas and little just, like, energy. That's great. Like, like curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. He's got that. He's got that curmudgeon, but you can tell he cares. Like mm-hmm. deep down, like he loves what he's doing. I I think if I had any uh, critique of the the script, it's probably that like 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 the beginning of the girl dying, who was um, Murtaugh's uh, part, like you know, partner in Vietnam, like um, daughter. Like if that all feels kind of like loosely connected, that like they push like the the guy runs like a heroin import company with ex CIA. Um, agents which kind of based and I'm kind of surprised the CIA and the FBI allowed this movie to be released because like I I don't think that's super fantasy you know what I mean (laughs) especially in like 1987 (laughs) like that's like like if you look that stuff into that stuff if you're a conspiracy theorist which I'm I'm not really I have my one conspiracy theory that I fully believe in have I ever mentioned the conspiracy theory I fully believe in on this podcast is it George Lucas this is the George Lucas one so my conspiracy theory <laughs> is that the original theatrical release of Star Wars has not been released to the public since 1997. They're all the special editions, so like the one you'd watch on Disney Plus is the special edition. It ruins the pacing of the movie, like, and that's really what gives that movie its is its biggest strength is how well it's paced. Um, the movie in production was known as a disaster, and like. They had to fire the editor like six months out and they brought three editors on, including one named Marsha Lucas, who was his wife. She won an Academy Award for her efforts. In 1983, they got divorced. George won Hollywood, obviously. And the conspiracy theory is that George Lucas will not release the theatrical cut of the original Star Wars to spite his ex-wife. I, I I feel like that's almost like not even like conspiracy at this point. I could see that kind of being a thing where it's oh, just it's like okay. totally, it's totally a thing. But I mean, it's a conspiracy theory because there's no like evidence. Yeah, it's no just a reliance on human nature, like observance of human nature, like the spiteful, and especially if you're a powerful man in Hollywood, like you yeah. can spite somebody like that. So that's my that's my original that's that's my conspiracy theory that I have because um, like I believe in like that film preservation, like. And the other part of it that you can add on to it is that George Lucas made a big deal to Congress when um, like Turner Broadcasting, you know, started making all these cable channels. They wanted to take old black and white movies and they wanted mm-hmm. to colorize them like it's a wonderful life. There's a colorized version of it. We're, do not watch the colorized version. Please watch the black and white version, Tommy. Okay. What we yeah, end yeah, up yeah. doing It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and he went to Congress and mm-hmm. there's now the... Um, Library of Congress has films that get added into the Library of Congress. Star Wars was in the initial class. 
George Lucas never submitted a film reel. This was in like 1994. <laughs> he finally gave a film reel of the special edition three years later. Oh, that douche. Uh, well, I mean, speaking of editing, uh, to bring back to like Lethal Weapon, um, the first draft of the script apparently had an ending that would have been like the most 80s thing ever. Um, it was going to have a chase scene where there's helicopters and a trailer truck full of cocaine that explodes all over the holiday hills, uh, Hollywood Hills with cocaine snowing over the Hollywood sign. And like <laughs> that would have made this movie like a, a fucking even better. Just imagine like, oh, the yeah. pure 80s-ness of this. Because you already feel the coke energy from like all the movie to begin with. <laughs> oh, well, Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson had to have been on cocaine. Either he's just naturally a psychopath or he was on a yeah. lot of cocaine during this. I mean, you always hear about like the Blues Brother having like a cocaine budget, but like I wouldn't be shocked if you hear that about Lethal Weapon too, because like even the opening of this movie is just like an '80s coke-filled death right there. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, what was it? Uh, like Blues Brothers, fame, fame, because that's we're gonna cut. You've never seen Blues Brothers, right? I've seen. Parts I don't think I've seen the, it all the way through. Counts, counts, counts for the podcast because we make the rules and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, Belushi would like go on coke benders and just leave the the set and like wander the the studio sh- streets and be like knock on the door and be like my you know who i am i need a couch to sleep on and just like go sleep on random people's couches <laughs> it's a fucking power move that's what that is <laughs> like you just go ransack a fridge and just sleep it's like man bluto he's really just was bluto from animal house huh yeah <laughs> so i mean thank god uh you know we had the mel gibson of, of this of lethal weapon because apparently like christopher reeve was up for the part and like christopher reeve is too bland i feel like of an actor he, he wouldn't have been able to play out like craziness at all he's <laughs> superman like i mean i'm sure he could because he's a talented actor but it's like the, the man's superman you know what i mean like you need that mm-hmm. like that clean cut wholesome you know all-american boy from another planet that, that's superman like that's not that's not rick's yeah, exactly. I mean, like Richard Donner was probably thinking, like, oh, let me give it back my Superman, but it's like, uh, no. So, I mean, this movie is perfectly cast because, like, the chemistry between Riggs and Murtock, I think, just bounces off the screen so much and just is infectious. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's the the other strength. Like, I love when they go and invade the one of the drug dealers' houses, and um, you know, Murtock keeps telling Riggs, you "Can't you can't kill people. You got to shoot other places not to kill." Um, and it's, it's just a short little 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 moment here. See how easy that was? Boom, still alive. Now we question him. You know why we question him? Because I got him in the lake. I didn't shoot him full of holes to try to jump off a building yeah, with that's him. That's no fair. The building guy lived. No, whatever. The point being, no killing. No killing, right. Yeah, right. Piece of cake. Now I'm happy. This freedom is right, and I'll stand over here being happy. Uh, uh, he's got a gun! <laughs> And then what does Riggs do? He kills him to save his life. And like, that's the other, like, but that's like the other under, like this movie's theme, you know, thematically is about just building trust between each of the two men and like when to mm-hmm. use lethal force and when not to use lethal force. Like those are kind of like the overarching themes of, of the movie. And Day Glover in the beginning, like feels like he's like a condescending like dad to like uh, Mel Gibson or Mel Gibson's like his like teenage son where he's like, come on now, like, you're going to do it this way. Come on, like, this is how you do it. Just, like, he's so cocky and just, like, yeah, this is how you do it, Mel Gibson. Come on. And just, he feels just like an overbearing parent almost. <laughs> and then when the stakes rise and Murtaugh's daughter is kidnapped by these heroin dealers, including Gary Busey, who we just have not covered yet, but, like, this is, like, before he went completely out of his mind? 
this was pre motorcycle accident. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing with Gary Busey was that he had that motorcycle accident where, like, uh, he I, I forget the exact details, but he wasn't wearing a helmet and he got an extreme brain damage from it. So, yeah. I mean, he was an underrated. This movie really shows that he was an underrated actor before the accident happened, before he went full Busey. He has like a he has like a very intense like physicality to him in this movie that like he, that he portrays like he's an intimidating figure in Lethal Weapon like like you are scared of him like he like when you're introduced to him and the president of the heroin company like puts the lighter to his thing to test his loyalty or whatever right like it's just like okay mm-hmm. this is an intense bad motherfucker who will kill you and do whatever it takes. And I think it was, uh, I, I, yeah, I think he was like the right part to be the, the big, the heavy in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was honestly cast because it was uh, physical and uh, intimidating compared to Mel Gibson. You, I mean, like we, we talked about earlier, how this movie like pro- almost had a cocaine budget. Like you could have seen that. I almost feel like the ending of the movie when just Riggs and uh, Gary Busey are going at it. <laughs> I don't even think that that was just like a part of the script. I think that like Busey and Mel Gibson had a coke uh, fight and then they're just like, keep the cameras rolling. Come on, we got to keep it rolling. Go, Shane go, Black go, is go. just like, or uh, Donner's just like, roll, roll it, 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 keep it rolling, keep it rolling. <laughs> and everyone's encouraging him, like, come on, come on. And Busey's like, you stole my coke or something like that. Um, apparently, Donner got like uh, them to fight more on a set because he said, like, hey, like, you know, Gary Busey, Mel Gibson took the last waffle on catering, and he said the same thing to Mel Gibson. They'd be like, "Oh, you fucker!" Waffle, waffle. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Waffle. <laughs> That's what they is that what they say? Uh, the last, yeah, they took the last waffle. Yeah, I, I mean, it just it, that's like the pure eighties of this of this, where like you know, the, the movie ends with like they could have easily just shot Gary Busey right there and be like, "Done, movie's over." But it's just like, no, we gotta go mano y mano. Like, fuck you, man. Like, we're gonna go right here, fight it, and just the cops are like. Let him fight. <laughs> they gotta have that macho man just duke it out, and then of course they end up shooting Gary Busey when he steals one of the cops' gun, and we get to finally see Mel Gibson be the lethal weapon. <laughs> so, does this movie have like the best case of uh, using the movie's title in the mm-hmm. movie's dialogue, where it's just like you're like a lethal weapon? <laughs> yeah, like, no, oh. and it's it's so nonchalant. It was like I was not <laughs> expecting that to come at all. Like. Sometimes when when movies usually use the name of like the the title when it's not like a character's name or something like that when it's like an actual like uh, mm-hmm. thing like they're usually terrible movies because it's never mm-hmm. introduced in a good way it was just like huh you're really a lethal weapon huh like it's just like nonchalant passive dialogue it's not like it doesn't take the mo- moment and then the actors look at the camera right it's just. Yeah, <laughs> there they, they say it and they move along and they never say the words lethal weapon ever again. And it's great. I mean, Shane Black's script in general, I think, is just really snappy dialogue throughout. Um, I love like the irony of the lines. Like, there's so many moments in the movie where it's just like uh, Tom Atkins, who plays like the daughter who dies in the beginning, he says, like, they can't kill me. And then immediately after it gets killed. And oh, yeah. Like, at one point, one of the villains is like, there's no more heroes left in the world. And immediately after, Mel Gibson comes in swinging and saves yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah, it, like it had that timing. And it, it was kind of like wink, wink at the audience. Like, yeah. like it, it just has that like, um, which I think is just like Shane Black's strength as a writer director is that he's he's able to keep it seriously, but kind of like wink, wink at the audience based off of like the situations where it's like you can kind of can expect what's about to happen. So he'll just have the person say it. And I, I think that's just like a strength and it's just, it's just always done effectively. Like mm-hmm. it's not, um, cause it's, they're not like monologuing there, you know, like, or, and then Mel Gibson comes in. It's, it's just like a 
passive line and then Mel, Gip- Mel Gibson comes in to save the day. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So Tommy, who is the star of Lethal Weapon? I almost wish he could make it like a co-star thing with Murtaugh's and Rig, like Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. But if I had to choose one, it'd be Mel Gibson. He has the showiest performance and he just like comes up the screen. And there's a reason why he his career went up a whole other tier after this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I listen, I, I know it's Mel Gibson because it's just like the star power. He, you know, he was an A-lister for, for a decade until, um, well, he kind of got in his own way uh, a little bit there. But he was great, but I, I thought I thought uh, um, Danny Glover gave the better performance. Like I really loved his performance as Murtaugh. Like you know, and he's the one that you're going to relate to more in this movie. Mm-hmm. The Family Man. Uh, that's just getting too old for this shit, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm almost thirty. Like I feel that shit, man. I feel that. Oh, I'm just getting too <laughs> old for this shit. Yeah, he has the more understated performance, I feel like. It's less showy, but um, I, th- I think it's just a good contrasting between the two, where Mel Gibson's just like, probably on coke during the majority of the movie, <laughs> for being real. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and Mel Gibson is, um, oh, also all cocaine use that was done on Lethal Weapon that we're talking about, it's all alleged, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Warner, we Brothers, don't know shit. Warner Brothers lawyers, we don't know anything. Mel Gibson's lawyers, this is all allegedly. Um, yeah. I know you're listening, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> definitely listening to our <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, so I would, I, I that I just wanted to say, because we've done a lot of cocaine mentioning, and I was like, oh, maybe we should just tag an alleged on there. <laughs> allegedly, yeah. yeah it's yeah, like, so, it's uh... like Tom Cruise, the Scientology thing. It's all alleged, man. It's Wink, wink. It's all allegedly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Danny Glover's great. I mean, it's a two horse race, but you can't. You also can't do the movie one without the other, right? Like mm-hmm. they're a tandem. It, they both have to be there. They both have to be really strong performances, and yeah, they are. And it's uh, it's one of the more definitive buddy cop movies of all time. There's a reason why there's like three sequels to this movie, and they're apparently making a fifth one. So, I mean, who knows how that's going to go. But. Are, are they keeping the same? They're bringing, yeah. Mel, bringing Mel back? Um, yeah. So, um, well, first off, uh, Richard Darner directed all the sequels, too, which is the rare franchise where that happens. But, uh, you know, apparently Mel is not only is he coming back, he apparently is going to direct Lethal Weapon 5. So <laughs> that's the only thing that would make me want to see because he's actually like a pretty good director. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just looking at the artist, not. Uh, artist work not the the artist himself right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka so tommy would lethal weapon work as a muppet adaptation i feel like there's almost like a lane where this could work where if you sand down like the darker edges a little bit more and just make it just more zany where like mm-hmm. would 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 murtok have to be the human <laughs> Where he's just like surrounded by Muppets. And yes. Murtock is constantly. And he's just <laughs> saying, I'm too old for this shit. Constantly. Well, like, you know, Ker- uh, it would be like Kermit or a Gonzo would be fucking um, rigs where just like, ah! Yeah. No. Flaming his arms around and Mur- uh, Dan Glover's just like, I'm, t- I'm too old for this puppet shit. <laughs> yeah. that uh, I think that's what would have to be done. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it would yeah like would this really work no this is another no. one of those muppet ones that i would like to see as a like five minute youtube 
cut up of of the movie with Muppets. I, I wouldn't want to yeah. sit and watch the whole thing with Muppets. I just don't think the tone of the movie would work that well. I was about to say, like, I would love to see a Muppet buddy comedy, but I guess as the Happy Time Murderers, and that movie was apparently garbage. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've heard that's one of the least funny movies ever created. Um, so yeah, let's let's def let's let's not do that. Don't don't yeah. do that, Disney. You know, we do we're here to give you good advice. When you give us a couple million dollars a year to resurrect the Muppets, we're here. Yeah. We're here. We're ready. Exactly. We're willing. I mean, you had the Haunted Mansion Muppets, which I watched this morning, and that was good. And that was only last year. So, I mean, bring that back more. We need more Muppet energy. <laughs> more Muppet energy in 2023. Absolutely. Review time, Tommy. Give me your score to five. All right. So, I think this is a really fun 80s action movie. Um, you know, I've, I've watched this constantly throughout the years. Um, I think it's right up there, like the pinnacle of, like, you know, the best 80s action movies and best buddy cop movies. Um, I think just the chemistry between Riggs and Murdoch really bounces off. The script is really sharp and uh, just fun. I'm going to go with, uh, I think, four out of five for this. So I'm going to echo your sentiments. Yeah, four to five. Really great character dynamics, like fun, over the top kind of action, but like the characters keep you grounded into the story. So it, it doesn't feel too fantastical. Just, you know, this is where Mel Gibson really took off. Like he had Mad Max and other stuff before that, but this is where he went from, became a true A-list star. Um, And Danny Glover gives another fantastic performance. Four out of five. I'm going to have to check out the other Lethal Weapons because I've heard they're also pretty great. The second one especially is amazing. (laughs) So it's right up there. Around par. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) So, Tommy, any final thoughts? Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on social media at CNITPod. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review while you're uh, listening to us uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. really helps it out. And, uh, you know, this is our Christmas season. Uh, we are going to be covering the holiday with Kate Winslet, Jack Black, Jude Law, and Cameron Diaz. I've I'm seen excited to see movie. it. Never seen I've, it. <laughs> I've seen this movie so many times. I've, I watched this briefly back in September, but uh, and I was hooked. I was like, I got to say this for the podcast. In, Septem- in September. That's so weird. Oh, just the holiday in September. Like, what? Uh, this I, this I, movie's I got like, a one-month runtime, dude. Yeah, I, that's why I didn't uh, finish it. We were watching, like, a friend uh, friend's place. We were watching, like, a hotel or something like that. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's go get dinner. <laughs> so, the holiday next week. Thank you all so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.